I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. You know, we are almost, almost there, guys. If you're a Yankees fan, I know we've been going through some injury shit already, but, like, how can you not be excited? Listen, it's going to be, um, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm, I guess, like, as, you know, critical as a fan as I am, as pessimistic as I, that's what I'm deemed as pessimistic as I can be. Uh, it's just to have the 162 back to to have fans back in the seats. It's going to be awesome. So <laughs> that's 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 something I'm excited for. Um, we're going to talk Yankees on. Um, we're not going to talk Yankees in this episode because we've still got the mixed some Knicks to touch. But the Yankees are opening up on Thursday, so I just wanted to bring that up really quick. Um, you know the schedule for this podcast. It's going to remain the same. Um, I do Yankees episodes every after after the end of every series. And as for the Knicks, I cover the Knicks at the end of every two games. And so I was looking at both sides here. The rest of the regular season for the Knicks does not overlap with any of the Yankees games during that span. So no episodes will have to be overlapped or anything. So that's the good thing. The, so we have 12 more episodes, if I'm correct, um, for the Knicks from here until the end of the regular season. Now, once the NBA playoffs start, if we make it, we'll have to see what the schedule looks like there and what route we'll go. But for now, you know, from now until the end of the regular season in the NBA, which is late May. So from now until late May, I'm going to be doing the Knicks episodes on normal schedule and the Yankees episodes on normal schedule as well. So... They do not overlap for a long while, so for the remainder of the season, for the NBA. So that's that's the good thing here. So expect uh, the first Yanks podcast to be right after that Toronto series on Sunday. So yeah, we open up against Toronto from Thursday to Sunday, and the Knicks will keep doing. So that that's good. I was looking it over. I was a little concerned, but I saw that they they did not overlap, and I was really really surprised and glad that they didn't so it's a lot of fucking technology for me though i still got to record a ton of episodes in and watch a ton of tv <laughs> probably not the best for my eyes and for my brain but <laughs> we'll we'll see um yeah so today was the final day of spring training the yankees took the loss to uh philadelphia the phillies i think you know i had it on in the background um but they were okay. They were okay this spring, 14 and 12, pretty mediocre, a couple of ties. But I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited for Thursday. You know, aren't we all, again, just to get the 162 back, to get some, you know, to get some crowd, some fans back in this in the stands. Um, that's huge. You know, no bullshit makeshift season, right? No, no more gimmicks. Oh, it's gonna be good. Hopefully, hopefully COVID doesn't affect anything here. Um, today's Clyde's birthday 
It is Monday, March 29th, 2021, as I am recording. As you are listening, it's probably the 20, uh, it's probably the 30th. But today, March 29th, is Clyde's birthday. Clyde turned, he turned 76 today. God bless him. Now, Breen, on the telecast tonight, I'm sure he gave everybody else a little scare, too, because I'm not, I'm definitely not the only one who heard it, but was congratulating him on his, let's say, 26, maybe, years? I don't know. On his number of years as a broadcaster with the Knicks. And then he was like, Clyde, I gotta bring it up because I'm sure you're too emotional to bring it up, but you said that after this season, you are officially... And then everybody was on edge. You know, I was gasping. I was like, what the fuck's he gonna say? Is he gonna retire? And he goes, you are officially... Probably going to keep doing this for about 25 more years. So I was, you know, it, it got Knicks fans on the edge of their freaking seats because Clyde is adored. He's our guy, man. He's, we adore Clyde. Um, I love his input. You know, I love his annoying rhymes. I love his crazy takes at times, but he is smarter than all of us. He's been a legend in the booth just as he's been a legend as a player. Um, and so, uh, happy birthday to, to Walt Clyde Frazier tonight. Um, yeah, that, that was that. Um, again, the Yankees are opening up Thursday. I also watched, I don't know if anybody else did, but 260 was pretty damn good, man. I don't know if anybody else called 260, but it was pretty fucking heavy. Um, now, I didn't get to see the prelims. Um, I caught, like, the final... I saw most of the main card. Um... But 260 was lit. The The final three fights, really, were the ones that brought, you know, caught my attention. Uh, just awesome, awesome, awesome fighting. Um, there was the O'Malley fight, right, where, where Sean O'Malley KO'd Thomas Almeida in that third round. Um, he could have had the first round KO, right, but he, you know, had he not tried to walk it off there, when he had Almeida on the ground, he could have had that that KO, but he got cocky, tried to walk it off for, for the gram, and uh, he ended up having to fight two more rounds. Um, but later in the third, um, you know, he, he got the finish on Thomas. Um, but again, he tried walking it off. He had him on the ground. He tried walking it off, <laughs> but it wasn't over. Ref did not call it yet. Um, but then he actually finished him off. He jumped back on him. You know, well, he threw a left on him. That dropped him. He threw a left on Almeida. That dropped him. Then he started to walk off. And then, like, he realized it wasn't over. Then he got back on him. And he landed a big punch on Thomas. And that was it. So, he's 13-1. Uh, he's still going with the whole I'm undefeated shtick. Obviously, because of the weird way he lost with the injury last time. Um, but, whatever. He, he's always a, a fun character to watch. Um, of course, in the octagon, he's fun to watch. He's long, very creative out there. Um, loves to, he, he was switching stances often on Saturday night. Just like uh, he was saying in the presser, how that was just to keep Thomas Almeida guessing. And he's creative out there, man. He's fun to watch and he's a good puncher. He's athletic. He loves doing those spinning kicks. He loves spinning back kicks. I think that's what it's called. Um, but yeah, he's fun. His persona is also very entertaining. You know, a very self-centered millennial type of 
you know, guy like I said, he does everything for the Instagram. He tells everybody to follow him here and there. He he says he's his own biggest fan and he constantly watches tape of himself. <laughs> he's an interesting character. Um, but that's why I like UFC, because everybody's got such a different persona. You'll love it. It's it's very interesting to me. Um, and it works, you know. He's winning fights. He's and he, more importantly, on Saturday night he answered the question. You know, everybody talking about his ankle and kind of mocking him for that. Well, he answered that question and he was able to sustain it. And he took the big victory. So could good for him to bounce back. Um since I've started watching MMA, that was the third time I've seen O'Malley fight, and I'm very I'm very, very impressed. So um but I think he's thirteen and one overall, so he's he's damn good. Co-main event was that was awesome. You know, as short as it was, it was still a really fun couple of minutes. Um, you had Luke choking out Woodley in the first round for the submission. Um, an excellent fight for as long as it lasted. You know, they were trading punches, some big heavy punches um, back and forth for a while. But then Luke started pouring it on and, you know, kind of forced a stumbling Woodley into a choke eventually in which he submitted him. So, um, after the fight, you had Luke call out Nate Diaz, you know, for ignoring him the first time he wanted to call him out. Called him out again here on Saturday night in 260. And he wants him. He wants Nate. Um, there is now, they were talking to it about, Dana White brought it up, or somebody brought it up to Dana White in the presser, about how Woodley, you know, 39 years old in April, coming off four fights in a row now where he's lost, you know, the Usman fight, the Burns fight, the fight against Kobe last summer, and this Luke fight, you know, should he retire? Should this be it? White was kind of suggesting it. You know, he kind of hinted that he wants him to think about it. Um, I don't know how that works. Is Maybe Dana's going to drop his contract, terminate it. I don't know how that works, but yeah, it's got to be rough for any... MMA fighter, not just Woodley, to be on a losing streak like that. And like, because you're a fighter, you don't fight. Your fights are, are far and few in between, right? They are far apart. You got to wait several months before you get back in the octagon. So I can't imagine what that's got to be like when you're on a losing streak where you win or where you lose three or four in a row. And then you're, you're, you're just feeling so bad. Am I ever going to win again? Am I just terrible? I'm useless. I, I'm, I'm good at nothing. I, I would. It's hard to get out of that mentality, but I'm sure some of these guys are so confident. But like, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be to have to wait so long to get back out there. So I don't know. Maybe Woodley comes back out there and gets an easier fight just to end on top. I just, I always, you know, when they were talking about it, I'm like, I know that feeling. I know that feeling. Not as a fighter, but like, you know, playing sports in high school, I was the same way. I was very competitive. Each time I had a bad outing as a pitcher, I would criticize the shit out of myself until I was back on the mound. You know, I. it doesn't matter what I did. I could have been 8-1 eight, eight and one or something like that, right? And I had one bad game. I took the loss, so I go 8-2. and two. Those eight wins, they did not matter previous to that loss because all I think about is that more that most recent loss I had and I would keep beating myself up 
until I got back on the mound. That's probably how it feels when you're an MMA fighter, but you're months apart from your next fight. Just gotta suck. Um, and then we got to the main event, which was really, really fucking good too. You know, that Francis Nagano, man, he is big, bulky, powerful. He's not a human being. I refuse to believe he has any human being DNA in him. The thing is just a monster. He's a beast. It's just, oh my God, he's a mammoth. I mean, getting the TKO on Stipe Miocic. No, Stipe had him in the first time they fought. Um, he beat him. But this time around, Nagano TKOs him in the second round. And it was a fucking powerful barrage of, of fists just raining down on Stipe from Nagano. You know, the first round comes in. Some good kicks. So, he, so Nagato begins the first round with a heavy low kick. And, you know, Miocic kind of just circling around the octagon trying to slow the pace. Uh, but Nagato then connected on a few body punches. Then he lands a leg kick. Um, Stipe does to counter. But then to end the round, Nagato strikes him on the head. And he takes the 10-9 score after one. Second round comes. Nagato cracked him with a low leg kick again early. Um... Then he gets him with a sweep, a sweeping left hook. Then he fucking gets the big left that shook Miocic and just grounded him. And from there, Nagano landed one of the more massive blows you're going to ever see a fighter land. And the ref stopped the fight right after that. So, <laughs> guy's a freak. Um, so, I think he's got that number one uh, belt now in that division. I got to check. But, yeah, he's a monster. Uh, that might have been the first, might have been the second time I've seen him fight. I'm not sure, but he's fucking good, man. He's good. But that was a hell of a card. 260 was good. I was very, very satisfied with it. Um, and so hopefully, the, the I think it's 261 coming up in late April. That's going to be insane. You got Jorge coming back. You got the full crowd in Jacksonville. Oh, it's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be my first time watching MMA with a, a full crowd. So that's going to be sick. You know, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. But yeah, that was it. So I want to head to break and we'll kind of get things started when we get back. Uh, a few things to add, but let's head to our first break. We'll get our plug in and uh, we'll get right to it when we get back. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, or subscribe to my blog, or follow me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. So I was also watching the presser earlier today. Um, Mike Woodson, you know, unfortunately he's leaving the Knicks and he's taking the head coaching job at IU. He's going to Indiana to coach the Hoosiers for the next six years. I think that's the contract is six years um, as the head coach uh, for his alma mater. So, yeah, it's sad. You know, I wasn't expecting him to leave. To, oh, I wasn't expecting him to leave at all. Because I think there was a report a few days ago saying he was not going to be the head coach there. 
And then all of a sudden now he is. And reports can be very inconsistent. But um, but to, to leave mid-season, that sucks too. I, I, I didn't think he was going to leave midway through the year. But I guess it makes sense as a head coach. Um, but I'll, I'll always be thankful for Mike Woodson. He's a good he's a good ass dude. I've always liked him. You could just tell he's a good human being, not just a good coach, but he just seems like a really good person. He's a humble guy. He's you know an old school type of dude that you just have to respect. And you know, Breen was talking about it on the telecast tonight. Players know where they are with Mike Woodson. You know they know who he is. They know how he operates and how he works, and they got really good relationships with the guy and he's been a big reason you know that this Knicks team has developed this positive culture this season and you know a big reason to why they're playing this hard defense and they're gritty you know a lot of people are crediting Thibodeau but this coaching staff you know Kenny Payne Johnny Bryant Mike Woodson big parts of that and so see Woodson leave and of course I'm so thankful for that I'm, I'm still thinking about that 54 win season he had back in 2012-13 for the Knicks he, he brought us to the second round of the playoffs so third round right it was Celtics Pacers okay second round um so no I'm very thankful for for what he's done he got us to the the Eastern Conference semis so he's been a good coach for us and Sad to see him leave, but he deserves it. He really deserves it. And, um, you know, he was just watching the presser. You could tell he was excited, but also thankful for his time as a Nick. And um, he was thanking Jim Dolan. And people had a problem with him thanking Jim Dolan. Like, come on. What do you, ex like, what kind of cupcake could you be to really be a fan? What do you expect him to say in the presser? Do you expect him to rip Jim Dolan the second he gets the Indiana job? Like, really, dude? Like, of course he's going to be grateful for Dolan. Dolan's the guy who gave him two different opportunities to coach here. He gave him two contracts. Like, of course he's going to thank him. Dolan's, listen, Dolan's had his moments. He's not the guy you want owning this team, but I'm sure, you know, he's not, I'm sure he's, he's not the fucking Grinch to everybody. You know, I'm sure he's had moments where he's not a terrible human being. All right, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. He's not the greatest owner, but, you know, I don't see how his flaws have affected Woodson. You know, I'm sure Woodson had a good relationship. I don't, I don't fucking know. But, like, who cares? Um, so, for now, I think they said Andy Greer will be taking Woodson's spot in that front row. Um, and, of course, you know, it was also put out there that Johnny Bryant is not going to Utah. And that Kenny Payne will not be taking the job at DePaul. So that's good. You know, so we're, we're not losing everybody. Uh, it looked like that at first. But, geez, that would have been bad. But um, I think that's a good thing, though, to note that, like, all these universities, you know, the University of Utah, um, Indiana, and DePaul, and these, these big schools are looking at Nick coaches. That's just a good sign. It's a huge positive indicator that we're doing something right here. We're building the right culture. Um, so I took that as, as a positive. Um, and if you want to take it as a negative, the Knicks are now 0-1 since Mike Woodson has left. So, uh, man. Um, speaking of like things that have been in the headlines lately, I don't know if anybody saw the Phil Jackson piece. I don't know how it came up because honestly, I didn't even read the article. I just saw a bunch of the headlines 
saying that Phil Jackson was speaking once again on his failed Nick tenure. And once again, he was throwing some more shade at Carmelo Anthony. Um, I saw a headline saying he like took the route of Donald Trump or compared himself to Trump, which very interesting there. Um, but and like, like the hate I have never understood why Jackson came into this job in the first place. He, he clearly didn't want to do it. They must have been paying him a hell of a lot. Don't remember the contract he had, but the guy just was miserable. He didn't, there was, remember he wanted to fucking head coach this team at the same time on certain days and then have another head coach for the other three days of the week. He wanted to split it with Hornacek or some shit. It was some weird stuff going on and he was just, you know, constantly criticizing Mello to the media. Like you don't put that shit out there to the public, you know, saying how a leopard doesn't change his spots he knows he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. Criticizing Melo for not buying into his extinct triangle offense. Um, but yeah, there was a piece out there earlier this week saying how he was just talking about his next tenure. I didn't, again, I didn't bother to read the article, but, and I don't really think I will because I just don't care at this point. I've moved on from Phil Jackson and his blunders. Um, but like, interesting how that came up again. Mitchell Robinson underwent surgery today. Um, we'll get more into him in a second, but there was also a piece on him earlier I was reading. Um, I'm in isolation right now, so I have to use my time as best as I can. Uh, I'm bored out of my mind down here in the studio for, for two weeks. But um, I've, I have I read, I think there was a, there, David uh, Mitch's agent, or his former agent, or something, David Lee, filed a suit against Mitch's former agent, Raymond Brothers, today, because Brothers, apparently, when he was with Rock Nation, lured Mitch into his agency with a 35K truck <laughs> so he could get him into his agency. So uh, Lee is filing a lawsuit against Brothers accusing him of offering the truck to leave Lee's agency. That was today, Monday. Uh, he took it to Manhattan courthouse. <laughs> so I saw that. Mitch is in a number of agents. I don't quite understand what he's doing here, but he's had a number of agents um, already in his early career. And, you know, he's, I think he's up to six. Six agents, and he's not even through his third season yet. Um, but, like, wow. What's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, the plan is here, but like he's never been satisfied. I don't know. He, he seems like he's a tough guy to satisfy. I don't know. Judging by what we see on social media and stuff, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, but I think he's, yeah, I think this is his sixth. He's currently with Wasserman. Wasserman? So. Knicks waved um, the two players they got in the Austin Rivers, Iggy Brasdegas deal. They waived both Terrence, both Terrence Ferguson and Andrew Poirier. Did I just say Andrew Poirier? <laughs> Poirier. Vincent Poirier. Right? Andrew Poirier is the MMA fighter. But the Knicks, I gotta look up the name. I think it was Vincent Poirier, the stretch five that the Knicks got in the deal. <laughs> Uh, 
Let me look. Yeah, yeah, the dude who played with Frank in France. Okay, so they waived both of them, you know, obviously just to clear up some roster spots. Hopefully they can use one of those roster spots to, you know, explore the buyout market and add a big man. Um, a good big man to add would have been LaMarcus Aldridge, although he's more of a four, but apparently he's in Brooklyn now, so he's going to go play for the Nets, and they're going to keep doing that super team bullshit, so that's wonderful. Um, all right, um, we'll get right into it. No, I don't want to further waste anybody's time. Sorry. Excuse me. Um, so let's, let's get to break again, and uh, as soon as we get back from our plug, we will get right into... Um, these last couple of games, and we'll dissect some things here. Be right back. Hey, fellas. So, really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog, or follow me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Alright, so I don't want to harp on this game too much, or talk about it it was, it was a victory uh, it was an ugly victory but was a victory but I don't want to go into it for too long just because it's you know wasn't that exciting of a game and it was old news but uh, against the Bucks a couple of nights ago the Knicks took the 102 to 96 victory in Milwaukee um, you know a few minutes before the game find out Julius was not playing neither was Reggie um Obviously, Mitch went down six minutes in, but no Julius, no Reggie. It sucked, but then you find out Milwaukee were not only without Giannis, but no Drew Holiday and about like several other rotation pieces, um, all but one of their starters and Brooke Lopez and some guys off the bench not getting minutes due to injury as well. So basically, the Knicks had... Um, gone into this one as the favorite or as the underdog but probably became the favorite once they figured out they were basically playing the Wisconsin herd um, and the Bucks they played hard with all those young Bucks out there no pun intended they played hard you know they, they want zone all night that was the one thing they did they just right out of the gate they won zone and they ended up doing it for the vast majority of the night and the Knicks counted well they counted with a season high in three-point attempts with 44, uh, which is what you're supposed to do when you're facing a zone defense. And that was actually their, I was reading in an article, that was their second most three-pointers they've attempted in a regular season game in their history. Nuts. Um, so, shooting threes, they only had eight attempts at the stripe, but, you know, that's what's going to happen when you're not attacking the rim and you're shooting on the outside trying to counter that zone. Plus, they probably knew they weren't going to get the whistles. Uh, because they never do. Um, it was rough, though, to, to for a while. It was a tough game the entire time, to be honest with you. You had Giannis's brother, which I don't know how you pronounce his name. Is it Thanasis? Is it Donis? 
whoever, and the other kid too, Nora, Jordan, Nora, uh, those two just, you know, not good players, let's be real, going off on the Knicks, just going for career nights, um, step back threes, no look dimes, momentum shifting buckets, they combined for 44 points together, 20 rebounds together, 7 assists, 3 steals, and there were 8 for 13 from the 3-point line, 62% between the two of them. Just the torching the Knicks. Um, fortunately, the Knicks eventually figured out a way to, to prevail, and it was R.J. Barrett and Alec Burks carrying New York to triumph. Um, 21 apiece for those two, R.J., also added in seven boards and seven dimes. Burks added in ten rebounds and five assists. Um, you know, later in the fourth, the Knicks looked like they had it in the bag. Finally, RJ hits a 12-foot runner with about two minutes left. This puts the Knicks up five. But then the Bucks, you know, onto the Kumbo's brother, going on a run here. Um, dude hits a fucking 30-foot step back. And then he flicks a slick no-look pass to Brooke Lopez to tie the game at 95. Um, Tibbs calls a timeout, and the Knicks execute. You have Rose on the driving kick, swings it to IQ. He swings it to Burks. He's open for three. Bang. Mike Breen, bang. It was IQ's fifth assist. It was Burks' sixth triple of the night. And... Later, with about 40 seconds left, big hustle play by RJ defensively. Big defense there by him. He turns it over, trying to force a pass to Burks down low, but then chases down Giannis's brother from behind, picks up the steal, hangs on to the ball. Knicks hit their free throws and blouses. That's game. So it was a good, it was a good. You know, again, a win is a win, especially with this team. You're, you're taking anything with you, what you, what you can get, because you don't want to get too picky. We're having a hell of a year, so they move on to 24 and 22 at the time, going to the fourth seed. Um, you know, Rose returns 13 points on six of 15 shooting. Um, it was all right, mixed bag, but it was just good to see him back out there. Um, you know. Tibbs limited Peyton's minutes to 15. Probably had a lot to do with already having two non-shooters on the floor in Noel and Taj sharing minutes together, which was ugly. Please don't ever do that again. Don't want to see that more. It was gross. Um, the you know defenses are just going to pack it in every time you throw those two out there in the same at the same time. So hopefully Randall can stay healthy now. <laughs> um. But you have Obi out there. He looked pretty good in seven minutes. You know, he was three for four. His first basket in over two weeks. Um, but his defense was very poor on, on the Nassistanis, whoever the fuck. And, you know, Kevin Knox got his minutes in the second half. And Knox did pretty good. Um, hit a three. Got to the line. Collected a few boards. Uh, picked up a steal. The standards are so low for these guys that we have to take these as positives. <laughs> I know, it's bad. Um, but you had that. Frank rode the pine. Uh, but once Bullock gets back and stays back, he was back tonight. He returned. So hopefully, since he's back, Frank can get more minutes with that second line. You know, that second lineup. 
so he can play off the ball more. You know, if he's alongside IQ and alongside Burks in lineups with those two, I think he'll be much more better off. Um, I think Peyton should fill out an application for NASA, and we've discussed that before. But unfortunately, I don't think Frank's, Frank's going to get his time now that everyone's healthy. And I think Peyton's going to remain this because uh, Tibbs is just hell-bent on, on putting him at point guard to start. Um, but we'll see. Uh, going to get to the second game now. I, I want to go to the... Um, I'm going to go to break. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll go to break one more time here. And um, when we get back, we'll go to... We'll talk about this fucking... Loss that took place tonight at the Garden against Pat Riley's Heat. Fucking Pat Riley. Be right back. All right, so rough, rough-looking loss tonight. You know, Knicks just didn't have anything going. Um, took the 88-98 to 98 loss at the Garden tonight. You know, Miami coming into this one on a six-game losing streak, but you kind of felt like that was going to be the reason why they were going to win. You know, they were due. They're facing the Knicks. They're still the defending conference champions as much as they, excuse me, have been struggling. And there's still a, just a, a terrible matchup for this Knicks team. Let's be honest. They're not a good matchup for us. They they have our number. They are just always, always crisp when they play. Even when they're not crisp, they always find a way to beat us. And tonight was a good example of that. Um, their physicality just makes it difficult for R.J. Barrett to really thrive in that paint. You know, um, their zone defense has taken away our mid-range that's also why RJ couldn't get it going. That's why Randall couldn't get it going. They combined to shoot 38% tonight. They constantly blitz on pick and roll. Constantly doing that. That always gives us issues. Um, just a classic Pat Riley Miami Heat defended game. That's what it was. And again, forced not only RJ to a tough night, but other guards like Peyton. Bullock was taking some repulsive looking shots. I don't know who he thinks he is, but he was taking Kobe Bryant-esque shots. It was ugly to watch. Um, one for five from the field tonight. Just hit a mid-range. Missed all four of his threes. Just ugly. Um, RJ struggles against the Heat. Like I said, just they take away what he's good at. You know, they force him to shoot. And he just... It just doesn't have it. Whenever he plays the Heat, he had two times he's had single digits in the points category. And the only time he's cracked double figures, he had 13. So he's 31% against the Heat this year. Just not cutting it right now. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, Randall, again, he wasn't great either. He finished with 22 points. Had some kind of rhythm in that second half. But just not playing with that same energy. The body language looked off. His facial expressions were 
didn't look he kind of had that piss face on I, I didn't love the I didn't love what I saw from Julius tonight I wasn't loving it and lately really we're seeing I'm not loving what I'm seeing from him lately in, in those fourth quarters he seems like he's a little pissed off which is fine but he's not taking it out with his play he's just like leaving it what's that saying I don't know wearing your heart in your sleeve but he wasn't like using that as motivation I guess is what I'm trying to say he was just fucking moping out there. And um, I'm just not loving it. Uh, he's, he's he's also just a little gassed. The guy's been playing 40, 45 minutes a night for us because we have no fucking decent backup four because Obi Toppin can't hit a shot to save his life. Um, like I said, he plays a solid couple of minutes and we praise the guy because that's how low the standards have become. Um, so, you know, Randall's gassed, um, but you'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It was his first game back from that one game injury. The thigh issue, obviously still bothering him a bit tonight. So whatever. Uh, and the Heat just playing good defense. They were limiting us to half court play and we're not a good half court team, you know? So we have no full court game. When Rose is on the bench, we don't have anybody running transition for us. He's the only guard that gets us on the break. And so it's really rough to watch. This offense go out there, you know. Alfred Payton had 19 minutes tonight, and it still felt like it was way too much. I mean, he just doesn't get anybody going. He's not a threat to any defense out there. When he's not in the paint, he is completely useless. Rose had 16 points. He wasn't his greatest tonight. IQ wasn't his greatest tonight. He still finished with 12 points. Like, they need the bulk of these 48 minutes at the guard position. They just simply do. It's no coincidence that every time he's off the floor, the Knicks play better. It's no coincidence that during this stretch of games for the past couple of weeks, where Peyton has been on and off the court with the hamstring injury, it's no coincidence that the Knicks' three-point percentage has risen. And it's not just him shooting and not shooting the ball, but it's him not being on the floor opens up so much for everybody else. The spacing improves, right? They aren't you don't see defenses going under the screen as constantly when you have IQ on the floor. And when Rose is on the floor, again, you're pushing the pace. And he actually at least has a respectable jump shot. You know, it's... it's He's so bad. Like, once Alfred Payton is off this Knicks team, I doubt... Well, he might find an NBA team, but I doubt he'll find a consistent spot in a rotation for any NBA team. I doubt it. He won't be starting. We know. There is no other NBA team who will start in uh, Alfred Payton. But you could also say he probably won't be a regular in any rotation either outside the Knicks. I don't know. I have to do some research. But I'm pretty sure most teams, if not all, won't even play him often. And here we are, giving him the start every single fucking game. You know, tonight, like, I... I Frank can't score, but Alfred can't score either. But Frank plays elite defense. Frank could have at least defended Duncan Robinson. You know? He could have at least defended Tyler Hero. He could have at least given Jimmy Butler some havoc there in that third quarter. I mean, how many times do we have to watch this Knicks unit have a lead and then Peyton come in and when he checks out, we no longer have that lead? How many times do we have to see that? How much evidence do we need? You know, we're about a hundred and something games in, maybe, of Peyton playing alongside RJ and Julius, and we still can't figure that out. That it's just a clunky fit. It doesn't fit. You know, it's just a clunky offense with little to no spacing, 
and he doesn't he's not a good quarterback. He doesn't get anybody going. And tonight, one assist, the other night, zero assists. He doesn't he's not aggressive enough. He's only aggressive for himself. It's it, it makes you think. I, if Tom Thibodeau is closing all these games down the stretch with Emmanuel quickly, with Derrick Rose, he clearly values their offense more than he values whatever Peyton brings. I guess the big thing with him is his amazing defense, which is so overrated. So why isn't he going with those two guys more in quarters one and in quarters three? In quarters one and three. Like if, if he's closing games with them, that clearly means that Tom Thibodeau sees how much better they are, how much more they bring to the Knicks. Like he knows, he knows they're really good, and he knows that Alfred Payton is not really good. So what what are we doing? Why why aren't we making these adjustments and and trying something out? We've experimented with a lot of things, but for some reason, point guard it's just been so stubborn. And maybe that's a reason. You know, maybe that's that's like because he's a Perry pick. You know, maybe there's a pattern here. You know, maybe that's why Obi Toppin isn't getting a ton of minutes. Um, well, I'm sorry, uh, Kevin Knox isn't getting a ton of minutes, and Obi Toppin is getting minutes over him is because Obi is a Leon Rose pick, and Kevin Knox wasn't a Rose pick. You know, maybe it's a lot. Maybe a lot has to do with with the FO here, and that's why Peyton's out there is because he's a Perry guy. I don't know, but it's it's so. Frustrating to have to keep saying this. I'm beating a dead fucking horse here. Dude, I can't. I can't. Um, but that wasn't, you know, I'm not going to blame him wholeheartedly as to why we lost this game. The Heat were just killing us down low. They have, we allowed 13 offensive rebounds. 13 offensive rebounds is inexcusable. Um, eight of them went to Bam Adebayo. Just shutting down Randall, but too big of a body for Noel and Taj to keep up with him. Um, you know, he has about 50 pounds on each of them. Uh, Noel was good though, but you know, I, I did miss Mitchell Robinson. He would have made a big impact tonight, especially on that offensive glass. We only had six, um, and his athleticism would have helped us offensively, but we were pretty lazy. Uh, you know, we, we did a pretty lethargic job on closing out constantly late on those, um, just allowing easy takes down the middle. You know, the lanes were open all day for, for Miami to just walk into the paint. That third quarter was rough. That was really the, the, the quarter that turned this game around. It was the third quarter from hell. Um, you know, Knicks go into it up seven, and they leave it down 11. You know, they, they took a 39-21 to 21 beating in that period. Jimmy Butler finishes with 27 points. 15 of those points came in the third. And... Just they were doing everything on us. They were burying those timely threes, while the Knicks, on the other hand, were missing threes, missing free throws. That's just gotta stop missing free throws. Twenty-eight percent from three, sixty percent, twelve of twenty on free throws. You know, again, Alfred bad, Reggie terrible. Just nobody could get open tonight. The Heat were on top of us. They were trapping everything and forcing us to outshoot them, which we just simply don't have the personnel for. And, you know, Burks, who's been really good of late, quiet tonight, just four shot attempts. And they were, again, they were on top of him, hard to get him open, but I still felt like we should have fed him more. We should have gotten more involved. Um, <clears throat> but Tom Thibodeau didn't adjust to those traps, and his rotations remain a concern for me. Um, 
why Alfred Payton is in these lineups that we can't shoot with. I don't know. Why don't we try Knox and Randall at the 4-5 or Obi and Randall at the 4-5 more or some kind of combination between those two at the 4-5? Can we do something here? Some kind of shooting to counter these zone defenses they throw at us? Something, please? And stop going with these lineups that limit our offense? I don't know, man. I don't understand it. It's it's tough. Really tough. Um, but, yeah. There's one thing tonight I took is that we need a big. And we need a point guard that can play. And we have two. Derrick Rose and Quickly, but they remain coming off the bench. I, I know you want the balance, but you could still have a balance if you put one at the starting spot, the other off the bench. Kick Peyton to the curb. Bring Frank, uh, Frank back into the rotation to play alongside that second unit. And there you have it. And then, you know, yeah, we need we need some we need some insurance at the five, of course. You know, Taj is about 45 years old. Noel, we almost lost Noel tonight, but fortunately he was okay with that injury. Um but yeah. <laughs> um you know, Alec Burks has been good lately. And I you know, I know tonight was a rough night for him, but I want to bring him up really quick because we were talking about him last episode saying how should the Knicks bring him back and if they bring him back, you know, what's what's the contract looking like? You know, is it was is that like a six million deal or a six million dollar deal this year? So you bring him back. This is considering he keeps thriving, and he's been thriving of lately because as he's getting more on ball opportunities, he's able to create for himself more, and that's where he's best as that shot creator. Um, and you know now that Reggie's back, Burks can go back to the second unit and you know help get help give that bench. Um, some shooting, you know, give them an offensive boost. So that's going to be nice. But if they're to bring him back, I wouldn't mind doubling that salary for next year. Give him a one-year deal for about 12 or 13 mil, you know. Um, but I have to look at the, the rules of the CBA. I don't know if they allow back-to-back one-year deals. I'm not sure. But I, I wouldn't hate bringing back Alec Burks. He can shoot. You know, he's, he's given us 12 to 14 points a night. So... Um, hopefully he can bounce back because we have a pretty soft schedule coming up for the next three games, which is rare. So, um, RJ Barrett tonight struggled, but again, he's having a good year. He scored 20 points the other night. He's been scoring a lot of 20 point outings, a lot of 20 point efforts from RJ lately. Even when they're coming, the thing I like is he's had a couple of poor shooting nights lately as well, but he's still scoring 20 in most of them. And that to me, shows consistency. It's showing that even when he's struggling with a shot, he's still finding a way to where you look up at the scoreboard and he's got at least 20 points. That to be, for, for that to become a norm, that's showing that he's become a consistent scorer. Um, so once he becomes an all-star, man, I think he's going to get some, some really... I hope, I should say, because I don't know. But once he becomes an all-star, and I think that'll happen year four, bank on that... Um, I think that R.J. Barrett will hopefully get some more respect from officials. Again, hopefully, not think. I hope that he starts getting more respect. Tonight, again, that that play in the first half, he got murked. And nothing. Again, just... He already averages about four and a half attempts at the line of game. Um, while getting, 
you know, guys are getting away with murder on him. And he's getting four or five a night. So, you know, I think once he establishes himself as an all-star and has that reputation, maybe he'll get that respect. Um, but, you know, not worried about him. Just a, an off night tonight. Uh, the three ball has vanished again. He's kind of going through that stretch. Call it whatever you want. Regression to the mean. Law of averages. But hopefully he can start finding it again. He, he's... You know, he was unrealistically hot for a while. So, yeah, I was expecting some kind of regression. But hopefully he could still hover around 33 to 35% by the time the season's over. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Manuel quickly has been great. So, I, I wanna, I've seen some things lately. People complaining about his efficiency. This is who... This is a rookie. You know, this is what you're going to get from rookies. You're not going to get a 50 fucking 40 90 guy. You know, he's, he's a bit under 40%. So what? Rookies are going to, you know, most of this is, is you know, casuals, non-Knicks fans just finding a, a way to hate the Knicks. But, like, the kid's a rookie. He, he's he's going to have poor shot selection at times, right? That is completely normal. Look at R.J. Barrett in his rookie year. He was not taking the best of shots. Um, and now look at him. Look, I mean, he's, and he's been so big in the fourth quarter, I don't see how you could critique this guy that much. He's been huge for us in the fourth. Big momentum shift in baskets. Those deep three-pointers that just carry us onto these runs. He's, he's looked it up earlier. 32nd in fourth quarter scoring. Uh, this is excluding tonight's Miami game. But 32nd in fourth quarter scoring in the NBA out of almost 500 players on NBA.com. 32nd out of 494 guys. That's good. <laughs> That's damn good. It's a pretty big percentile there. Um, kid's super talented. Just lay off with the efficiency issues. There's always someone picking something. I mean, come on. Look at Anthony Edwards. What's he shooting? 30%? <laughs> come on, man. It's going to happen. Knicks have themselves a good player here. And a good solid core. If they can keep these four guys, IQ, RJ, Julius, Mitch, together and satisfied and they pay them, that's a damn good core. And you throw in Lonzo come the summer, you know, maybe World by West gets some, you know, talking in the back room with the VAR to get that contract at you know, somewhat of a bargain. Maybe we get him for less than the $20 million annual value he wants, Ball. You know, he, he says he wants to play in New York. We're hearing all this, all these, um, <clears throat> all this hearsay that he wants to be in New York and doesn't love New Orleans. You know, ideally, I try to stay around 17, 18 million for someone like Lonzo. But with his potential and his age, I wouldn't not throw 20 if, if worse came to worst. So hopefully they can, they can, hey, that's, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but Lonzo Ball alongside RJ Barrett, setting him up in those catch and shoot scenarios, throwing Mitchell Robinson those lobs. Somebody who could definitely get Obi Toppin going, I think. You know? Really see him fitting well with him. And if we bring Rose back and have Lonzo, they could fit nicely in lineups. I think it'd be fun. You know, because Lonzo can switch off the ball too. Um, but we, we've discussed that enough. There's not really anything else you could add to it. So, I want to move on to Mitch though. Because, you know... We're talking, you know, big men. And, and, and who we want to take a flyer on and everything. 
you know, because obviously Mitch with the broken foot, he's out for, you know, I want to say he's probably out for the year. They don't have an official timetable, but being realistic about it and not trying to keep your hopes up, he's most likely not going to be back this regular season. Um, it's a shame. You feel bad for the kid, man. He was so excited to get back. Finally does after missing 15 games. Looked like he was just finding his footing, and boom, he's out for the year, and it sucks because it probably diminishes value a little bit if you're Mitchell Robinson. You know, there's one year left on the deal, but the Knicks, you know, he's eligible for extension this offseason. So in the summer, you're thinking, you know, if the Knicks throw him a deal now, it's based on potential and not exactly results, right? This avoids him asking for the bag next year. You know, if he breaks out and starts putting up 15, 10, 3 blocks, you know, and, and asks for, you know, for the max. But if the Knicks do it this summer, right? Because I really believe that he will become a guy who could put you 15 points, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks a night. I really still believe that um, if he's fucking healthy. You know, the, the, the frame he has is so slight, it does worry me a bit. But I believe he has that potential. He's, he's got the potential to be that guy. You know, a Rudy Gobert type of guy. So I think if you're going to throw him the extension, you might do it this summer. You know, you throw him something like you got sixty. What is it? Sixty million dollars in cap space this summer. Use some of that. You know, maybe throw him. I don't know, twelve to fourteen a year for the next four. That's a bargain, man. That is a bargain. You know, for what he's gonna give you. And he's produced pretty good so far, but his ceiling is up there. I really believe in him. I just, he's got to stay healthy. Um, so what's the worst? You know, there's there's no negative to it. You know, you have the cap space to do so. And that's a bargain of a deal for somebody who has got that ceiling. <coughs> Excuse me. But for now, you know, for now, um, what are we doing at five, right? Um, are we going Noel and Taj the rest of the year and just praying and hoping that they stay healthy? That's a risky thing to do. I think you have to go and get a five. You have to explore this buyout market. Um, unfortunately, the Mitchell Robinson injury came a bit too late. Sounds like a dick thing to say, but you know what I mean. Um, because Andre Drummond is is now headed to L.A., presumably. He's he's going to L.A. Um, would have helped. Um, if the Knicks could have threw him $10 million, that would have been nice. But I kind of expected him to... I just had a feeling... He's going to be looking for that multi-year deal. So, it's um, whatever with that. And there was those concerns that he would occupy the same space as RJ and Julius. Would this space become an issue? But he's going to LA. Uh, the guy I wanted up next was Gorju Dang. Unfortunately, he's headed to San Antonio. I was preferring him. He was one of my big targets. But he's going to the Spurs. Um, but I also heard he had a big fallout with Tom Thibodeau. At the end of his Minnesota stint, so maybe not the best option. Anyway, uh, Berman said the Knicks are eyeing this kid who I've never heard of until I started looking up clips of him. Um, Norvell Pell? Pele Pell? I, I don't know, but looking up some clips, he looks very raw, kind of like Mitch was in his rookie year. Um, you know, pick and roll guy, rim runner, you know, dives to the basket, lobs. You know, hovers in that dunker spot. Limited offensively. Just, I don't want a raw, if we're going to look for a stopgap at the five, I don't want a raw kid. 
right? I want a vet who's guaranteed to produce, like an established player, right? So no thank you there. You know, I've heard those Kenny Wooten rumors too. Uh, where is he, Houston? You know, he's a, another one just too raw. I just want somebody who's ready, who you know you know is going to produce for you because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get to the playoffs. And you don't want a guy you just don't know is going to give you anything. Um, plus, Wooten's more of a power forward. At least his size is. Um, but there, there's not much out there, to be honest. Excuse me. Um, it would be nice, again, if our number eight fucking pick was somewhat decent. That could take the burden off us a lot, you know? Would solve a lot of our problems, but... It's not happening. We've got Randall here. And I don't want to see Randall playing the five. He's already gassed enough. You know, he already looks pretty fatigued out there at the end of games, like we said. So I don't know if I want him running the five as, as you know, a ton. You could do it, again, you could do it in lineups where you're trying to get some shooting in there. But I think full-time, we need another five. Without Mitch, we do need something. Do we go Kyle O'Quinn? He's in Turkey at the moment, but he could be bought out. Um, I loved O'Quinn. I thought he's a positive impact player. He was a big intangibles guy. He was fundamentally sound on both ends of the floor. Tough guy. Had that New York grit. I would like to bring him back. I wouldn't hate that. Um, one that's likely is John Henson. Um, he's okay. You know, he's a veteran guy. Um, hasn't played since before the shutdown of last season. Uh, but he's a good shot blocker, a good rebounder, not much on offense. He, he's working on a three-point shot, but he's another guy who's very limited offensively. Um, and the defense, he's not the strongest guy. Um, but again, you know, you're, you're scraping at the bottom of the barrel here. You know, there's not much to really look at. Um, you take him as a backup to Noel and Taj. That's all we need. We don't need a, we don't need a big to, to start. You know, Tyson Chandler, he's out there. He's an old fuck, though. He's like 38 years old. Um, oh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, a lot of people are high on him. A lot of people are low on him. You know, I've seen some indifferent opinions there. I'm pretty indifferent there, but I, I, I don't know if I would hate it. You know, I, I love his toughness. Uh, he's got that swagger that could potentially fit this New York team. Um, he's a good rebounder. He's obviously he's the big thing here is he's got that floor stretching ability, right? He could bring you with what, what no Nick center is bringing you the ability to shoot um, from 25 feet away. That's huge. You know, that's big. So he definitely brings some offense. He definitely brings you the offense and the rebounding, the shooting. That's huge. But the thing with cousins is his defense ever since that big injury, he's not the same player. And his defense has gotten from bad to tr tremendously worse. He's atrociously slow out there. He's you know, there's no lateral movement left in the legs. <laughs> um, not the same guy he once was. Just just, and I don't know with that bad defense, does Tibbs play him? You know, Tibbs is only again. You look at the Knicks. Tibbs is playing guys who who give you defense. You know. Just is he the best fit for the Knicks? Is is you know the way he's handled his rotations, Tom Thibodeau? Is he going to be big on Cousins if Cousins is giving up a lot of points on the other end? 
you know, but if we get him and we only limit him to 10, 12, 14, whatever minutes a night, I'd take a flyer. Again, none of these guys I'm completely opposed to because we just need, we need a body. We need a body down there. That's all we need, a body. So if we can get Cousins on the cheap, you know, I would take it. It literally couldn't hurt, you know, if you don't play him too much. If the defense starts hurting you, you yank him. Um, I've heard Al Horford, but I think he's with the Thunder, and they don't want to buy him out. I wouldn't expect them to buy him out because they're a small market team. They're trying to, you know, save money, and they're probably going to wait until the season ends to trade him. He's sitting out the rest of the year. Um, he, he would be a tremendous addition. I would like him. You know, he, he does play on the low block, but he can shoot the three a little bit, so... I don't expect that to happen, though. Again, I think OKC, you know, Sam Presti is not going to do something stupid like that. And if the Knicks were to take him on, they'd probably ask for some picks because they've got about a billion picks if the Knicks were to take on that contract. But I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see him trading uh, or uh, I don't see OKC buying him out. No, they want something in return. So, um. Thon Maker? I don't know, man. I'm just trying to think of names out there. <laughs> um, is Kelly Olenek out there? Somebody told me the Celtics waived him. Or the Heat. Where was he? I think he's with the Celtics. Um, I don't know. There's, again, we are scraping at the bottom of the barrel. There's really not many enticing names. Just to think about, I don't know. If you have any ideas, just let me know. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to, to be um, reasonable here and give anybody a shot. As long as it's, it's just an extra body down there to throw in the dunker spot and help this team, you know, rebound and, and play defense. But that's all I've got. I think we we're set on everything we needed to say tonight. Um, Knicks lose to the Heat, ninety-eight to eighty-eight at the Garden, twenty-four and twenty-three. Um, but a bunch of other teams in the playoff push did lose tonight, so that's a plus. Uh, I still have to check where we are in the standings now. Maybe fifth now. I don't know. I'll, I'll check. But Next three games, we've got um, Minnesota, Dallas, and Detroit. It would be really good if we could get a nice three-game win streak sparking back up again. Um Three really easy, three very winnable, don't want to say easy, winnable games. And as I said, you know, at the start of the Wizards series, the, the two-game stretch against the Wizards, I was saying from the first game against the Wizards to the next seven games, this seven-game stretch from the beginning of that Wizards series until I think it's the Pistons who we conclude against, I want a nice, I, I would hope for a 5-2 and two Knicks team. At worst, I said 4-3. and three. So far, two wins against the Wizards, um, a win against the Bucks, and a loss against the Heat. So we're three and one. So looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. So if we can go at this point, I would hope we go at worst five and two. You know, we have three very easy teams. Let's try and pick up some wins here. Um, it would be nice to take three, but two would do it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We we just gotta keep winning. I don't like. Predicting losses. I want to fucking win. So <laughs> let's get to the question of the day. 
All right. All right, so last time out, I asked you guys, who was the first Nick to win the Sixth Man of the Year award? The answer to that question, Anthony Mason. That was the answer to 224. Anthony Mason, the first Nick to win a Sixth Man of the Year award. I may or may not have asked that question before in the podcast. I have a hard time remembering, but not that it matters because nobody, I'm sure I'm talking to myself right now, nobody is listening to this or watching. <laughs> Um, tonight's episode, our MYY MYK question of the day for episode 225, brought to you by Anchor. How many 82-game seasons did Alan Houston give the Knicks during his tenure here? Alright, so how many 82-game seasons did Alan Houston play for? Uh, playing as a Nick. How many times did he rack up 82 games? As a Nick. Alright. So message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or comment the answer once I publish the promo or link to this podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 225 of the podcast, BD4. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it right now. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud. Watch it on YouTube and subscribe there. Like the video on YouTube. Comment. Share us on social media. Download this podcast. Please, that would help so much. And that's it, guys. Follow me on social media if you want. All that information that I just mentioned, all that information, social media, the podcast feeds, and my blog that I write about the Knicks and Yanks, all that information, it's on my website. And to get that information, just go to Linktree, go to my Linktree, go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. That'll take you to my Linktree with all those links that I just mentioned, all those platforms. It'll take you to my link tree that displays the links to all those platforms. So linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone will take you to the page that you need to be on. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate each and every one of you. That's all we've got for this episode of BD4. Episode 225 in the books. Yankees coming up on Thursday at the perfect time during my isolation. So... Hope everybody else is staying healthy. Um, and uh, that's that, guys. Thank you so much. I will see you in the blog or the podcast, whatever. And again, I appreciate you stopping by. This is your host, RJ Carbone, and I am signing out. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.